You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, of course, brought to you by our very good friends at MyBookie, where you can still today... Get in on our promo deal. All you've got to do, guys, go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code UGA, and they will double your first deposit. It is really that simple. Do it today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You guys know the drill. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me once again this week, as she does each and every week for our mailbag episodes, is the star of the podcast, my co-host, Charlie, herself here. Charlie, I know that you were in Starkville this weekend. I also know that you hate the cold, especially cold football games. You're sitting outside for three, four hours in a row. So I I don't think I even need to ask you this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I think our loyal listeners might be curious. How was your trip to Starkville this weekend? It was interesting. It was cold. It wasn't. The, it, it's interesting for sure. It wasn't the coldest I've ever been. What's the coldest game you've ever been to? But I was thankful for their closed-in concourses at halftime. That was actually really awesome. So, and they were like pumping in heat, which I've never seen that. I'm obviously be closed it in, but I've never. I don't like. Well, there are a lot of places where the bathrooms. A a college stadium, obviously NFL stadiums, but college stadium, I don't. Yeah, bathrooms, but like they closed off the entire concourse. Like they yeah, were. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome, and I I, I truly to, had never seen that before. So I, I gotta give them props for that. I wouldn't want to be there when it's ninety eight degrees. No, I wouldn't. Then it would be the entire. There would be. Well, I don't know if I would ever warm. really want to be in Starkville, Mississippi. Period. But well, you know, it was an interesting place. It was like. When we were leaving, it was like, this is less traffic than a Gwinnett County football game on a Friday. It was like... It was very strange. I think surreal is the only way I can describe it. It's just like, the second you walk onto campus until the second you leave, it's like, is this a real place? Was it a campus? I don't know. Is there a football game today? Did I just witness a football game? Like, what is happening here? It's just a a very strange thing. It's like, the university kind of just springs up out of nowhere. It's like very rural, rural little town, little small neighborhood, I guess you could call it. And then all of a sudden, boom, university. It's like, whoa, did not see that coming. <laughs> Didn't, no, where did that come from? It's always nice to go to a new place. So I've been there. Not sure if I'll go back, but it was nice to go one time. You know, and I was, I got to give them credit. Mississippi State people were very nice. Um, I had no issues with them whatsoever. I mean, you, you, I mean, look, I, I don't really ever have too many issues, but you can see like jerks every now and then. You can see a bunch of idiots. No, every fan base has them. Nice. But yeah, I mean, they. They all have very uh, like legit Southern accents, like to a person. And it's very, it's it's again, it's like a whole different world. So good for them. I know they love their place. Um, I don't know if I love their place, but it, it's fun, like you said, to go to a place that you don't go very often, and it's an SEC town. So yeah, I had a great time. I did, even though it was cold and it's Starkville and there's not much going on. Still had a really good time this weekend. Uh, Charlie, um, I don't know if you've looked at the forecast for this weekend. Are you going to Lexington? Oh my gosh. It's going to be so cold. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say, oh, that was the coldest game I've ever been to. And I was like, well, what about this weekend, Charlie? Don't, don't speak too the, fast. The low on Friday night is like to eight, the teens. 18 to the degrees, teens. and the high on Saturday is like 36. The and teens. this is a 3.30 yeah. game. So it's going to be dark by halftime. It, it's going to be cold, Charlie. I'm, I was not... Um, I was prepared for the cold in Starkville. It was colder than I thought it would be. Like I knew what the temperature it was, was the going to be. Wind. Just, yeah, the, I didn't. I wasn't necessarily prepared for the wind, so I did not have like my my tights on. 
So um, I uh, was a little McCord, maybe I would have been, but I'm going to be like fully prepared. I'm, be, I'm going like Eskimo style, Charlie, to Lexington. Like I, this Georgia boy is going Eskimo style. It's the only way to do it. Because I mean, it's going to be cold. And the wind's going to be blowing too. I looked at it right now as like 10, 50 mile an hour wind, somewhere between oh, there. great. Perfect. So just like that's happening. Fantastic. So it's that time of year, Charlie. It's that time of year. But we got a lot of questions to get to. So, Charlie, um, I might do a – I don't know. A lot of people have asked me about Starkville because I know not many Georgia fans have been. I think we've only played them like 26 times, I want to say now, something like that, in the history of our program. So I know not a lot of Georgia fans have had a chance to go to Starkville, and we've had some questions about like what it was like. So I might – if I have some time this week, I might put a little bonus episode together and – kind of give my quick review of what the trip to Starkville was like. If I had time, we'll see. No promises, but I'll try to do that for people who've been asking. Um, but Charlie, we do have some questions to get to today that don't deal with Starkville, Mississippi. So where are we starting this week? Okay, we're going to start with Owen's question. He doesn't want to look too far ahead, like into the playoffs. However, yeah. he would like to know if Georgia has a fatal flaw that we're just overlooking right now. And if this team did have a fatal flaw, what would it be? Great question. I appreciate it, Owen. Um, Charlie, I know, like, just looking at some of the questions that you've got here for me today, it looks like we have quite a few questions that are looking ahead to the, like, the SEC Championship game, playoffs, right? Yeah. Kind of what it's looking like. I just want to put this out there, guys. I, I know it's very hard to do that when you look at what we have to in the regular season. I understand that. And I will certainly entertain these questions, and I will answer them. I understand. I mean, I we're a show the people. If you guys want to hear me talk about that, that's exactly what we'll do. But... Me personally, I always get like kind of, I get nervous when you start looking ahead that much. Don't you, Charlie, to a degree, or does it just not matter to you? Like, do you think I'm, I'm just like one of these people I mean, making too much out of it? I think you're always looking ahead a little bit. Maybe it doesn't matter as much as a fan, I guess. But I, I'm just big on like, with social media now. When fans start talking this way, players read it now. And that well, but you does know affect. They're looking ahead a little bit. Yeah, like, I mean, you they're, know they're, they're yes, going to start course. practicing a little bit. But I don't want to like. Here and there. I don't want to counteract what Kirby and the staff are trying to do, get them to stay focused. Because I know, obviously, we should beat Kentucky, no problem. Obviously, we should beat Tech, question. no problem. Yes, but I, I know. I, this is just me. I know it's a me problem. And this is an old Georgia syndrome, which you guys, it's well documented. You know that I have. I'm in recovery. I thought I was. In, I always think I'm in remission. Then I'm like, nah, I'm not, man. It's just always around the corner. But Owen, I will answer the question, my friend. Thank you for the question. Uh, at the risk of looking too far ahead, what is our fatal flaw? Well, I mean, you guys know my concerns. At this point in the, in the year, you've you've heard me talk about them quite a bit. I talked a lot about outside linebacker on on the recap show. And I know there's a couple of questions we had about outside linebacker this week, and so I did, I'm not ignoring you guys to ask those questions, but I think you had sent those questions in before I talked about outside linebacker on the recap show. So if you want my take on outside linebacker, which, yes, by the way, I'm very concerned about right now, um, you can check that out. So that's certainly one of them. I don't know if that's a fatal flaw, though, because that's Curtis and I were talking about on the recap show. Sacks are great. But it's a means to an end, and um, I think we're okay there. I think that we have enough players to kind of mask it to a degree. I mean, hey, like we beat Tennessee without Nolan Smith. I know that was at home, and Tennessee's. I mean, I know that we beat them. But I still think they're one of the better teams in the country. I really, I really do. One of the top, honestly, who's, who are the best four teams? I think Tennessee's probably in that mix for me. At least top four or five, which is where they're in the college playoff. I think they're probably ranked relatively appropriately right now. So I mean, it's not like we can't beat really good teams without Nolan Smith, but. You know, it, it certainly does make it more difficult, you know, and you don't want to have to get in the college playoff and you've got a game against a, a good semifinal team. And maybe if you get past that, if you're lucky enough to do that, you get to the national championship, another really good football team, obviously. That um, That is a concern, but fatal flaw for me, I'm going to go back to, to uh, something I've talked about really all season long, especially since A.D. Mitchell's been out, which again goes back to week two. I think it's the lack of a true alpha number one wide receiver. That if we have a fatal flaw, and again, like we've won all these games, we beat Tennessee without them. We beat, or oh, I guess we had AD in that game. Outside of Tennessee and Oregon, our schedule hasn't really been all that daunting, to be entirely honest. But we we haven't slipped up. We've won these games without having that true alpha male wide receiver. And look, I love Lad McCall. You guys know that. I I told you back when we recruited him. Like this is a guy. Like yeah, we had a bunch of questions. Like why did we take this guy? And I told you because we took this guy because he can make plays, and he's going to come here with a chip on his shoulder and work hard and outwork people, and he's going to find a way to make plays. And and if we don't take him, he's one of these guys that's going to end up at Kentucky or Mississippi State or South Carolina and have a chip on his shoulder because Georgia didn't take him. He's going to beat us, you know, that kind of thing. So, Lad, I love. You know that. And uh, I've had his back for a long time. But I still, as good as he is, I don't think Lad's like a true number one wide receiver. He's a playmaker, but is he a legit number one wide receiver? I, I don't I don't think the answer is yes. I think we do a really good job of finding ways to maximize his skill set and get him the ball to, to help him make plays. But he's not like a George Pickens, you know. He's not that kind of guy. I think A.D. Mitchell is that guy, can be that guy. 
he's never really had the chance to be that guy, though. He showed signs of it, you know, at the end of last year and early this year in the Oregon game. But, you know, without him in there, and like I know that, you know, every every week he hears, we hear, oh, he's going to play this week. And every week, no, he doesn't play. So I will truly believe it when I see it at this point with, with A.D. Mitchell. I'm, I'm very hopeful it's not the guy's fault. I know he wants to play. I know he's working hard in rehab. You know, high angle sprains are tough, man. It's just different for everybody. And I know I've kind of had some fun with it, you know, over the past couple of weeks because that's all I can do. I'm, I'm upset about it, so I, I just kind of laugh about it. But um, yeah, I mean, he's not having him is tough. And the reason I say it's tough, and again, I know we're undefeated. We've gotten through the schedule to this point, but we are going to play better teams, okay? And we play better teams that have the ability to stop what we do offensively. Like they want. If, Here's what scares me. If we play a team that has good cover guys, good cornerbacks, like South Carolina back in 2019, they had J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu, two good cover corners. What did they do? They said, all right, Georgia, we know what you want to do. You want to run the football. That's your that's your identity offensively. We're going to take that away from you. You know, I always talk about playing left-handed, making teams play left-handed. That's what they wanted to do. And they said, we dare you to beat us in man coverage. So they stacked the box. They played man-free. They had... Guys on the corners playing on the island with one free safety, just kind of roaming in the middle of the field, reading the quarterback's eyes. And they shut down our run game. And we did not have the dudes out wide that could get separation against their good cover guys. We didn't have them. And that's why we lost that game, guys. It's that simple. You know, we we had some injuries in that game. And we just, we, we lost that game. And I still, like, I'm scarred from that. Like, obviously, I know we won the national championship, so they kind of kind of to a degree kind of lessens some of those scars kind of mitigates them to a degree but I still remember that I'll never forget that and so knowing what we still like to do offensively and what our identity is even to this point it concerns me and I know you can say well Tyler we played Tennessee and they try to do that and look we burned them all day long yeah we did but Tennessee's corners suck guys like they're not good in the back end it's the most inexplicable defensive strategy I've ever seen like they just want to sell out against the run and they put these guys on an island that can't cover anyway they can't even cover with help and so it's crazy to me what they do but they just outscore people but you know if you play a team and I don't know who that team is maybe there's not maybe that team doesn't exist but if we play a team that has good guys, the good cover guys out, outside, and we don't have AD back, we don't have that alpha guy at, at wide receiver, I'm concerned about our ability to to actually win the passing game if we have to. You know, I mean, Brock, obviously, we create mismatches with him and Darnell. I think we need to use those guys even more. I've been very open about that. But the lack of a true alpha number one wide receiver out wide is something that concerns me. Is that a fatal flaw? Well, time will, will tell. I don't know if we have a fatal flaw, to be honest with you, but if there is one, that's the one that I'm... I'm most concerned about because I've seen it come back to bite us back in 2019. If we don't lose that game in South Carolina, guys, then we were, we were a very flawed team in 2019. Obviously, some major issues offensively, some some injuries there. But you know, we we don't lose that game. Even if we lose to LSU in the, in the national and the SEC title game, we probably still get in the playoff, right? Probably, it's a good chance. You know, that would be our only loss. So that uh, that's something that kind of sticks with me there. And then we probably weren't going to we weren't going to win the playoff because we played LSU again and we got beat again because they were that freaking good. But I don't know. I don't know if we have a fatal flaw, but if it is, it's, it's the receiver position right now for me. All right. Our next question comes from All CFB. He wants to know why we always struggle to run the ball against Mississippi State. Yeah, I appreciate the question, man. Sam, I always appreciate you, buddy. And, and we did touch on this a little bit. I know, Sam, you sent this question before the recap episode, but I'll touch on it again here real quickly. It, it, it's really... It all, it's all to do with how Mississippi State defends us. And I, and I know that there have been some teams, and I talked about on the, on the preview episode last week, there have been some teams that have had some success running the ball against them. But I mean, even Alabama had less than 30 yards rushing against them. And that was in Tuscaloosa when the, when the offense didn't have to deal with crowd noise and cowbells clanging every which way. So, I mean, they do. If you, if you don't have a quarterback that's like a dual threat guy that can really hurt you with his legs, then they are pretty good stopping the run. I mean, they they really kind of slowed down. They stopped, I don't want to say they completely stopped Arkansas's run game, but they held them very much in check, more so than really anyone else the SEC has. And that was because K.J. Jefferson did not play in that game. Um, they didn't have that dual threat option at quarterback until Malik, Horn, uh, Malik Hornsby came in late. They didn't start him in that game, and they he started moving the football because they did some things with the quarterback run game. But if you have a guy that can escape the pocket, if you have a guy that can scramble on pass plays, that kind of thing, they can hurt you a little bit. Or you can hurt them, but if you don't have that, I know Stetson had a, had a rushing touchdown, but we don't use Stetson a ton in the design run game. They just sell out to stop the run. They're, they're, they're very similar to Tennessee in that regard. They're just different how they do it. They move guys around a lot, and they make it really difficult on offensive linemen to identify like who the mic is. Um, and they, if you think you have your guy identified as an offensive lineman, 
pre-snap and then post-snap, they're moving somewhere else. They they twist, they stun. I mean, everybody does that, but they do it a lot. And they have a lot of athleticism and guys are standing up. It's hard to know where they're going to be from one play to the next. It's hard for offense coordinators to actually call a game. So I know like, that's two games in a row going back to 2020 against Mississippi State that we've had a lot of trouble running the football, at least the, the traditional run game, and just kind of lining up and running power, running inside, outside zone, those kind of things. But they also know that's what we want to do. It's kind of a game plan thing. It's just kind of what South Carolina did to us back in 2019, like as I was talking about earlier. But they just don't have the dudes out wide to stop us. That's why we were able to hit some of those plays in the vertical passing game that we hadn't been hitting all year. We had six plays of 20 or more yards. And that's what it's all about. And that's how we beat them in back in 2020. Like we hit explosive plays in the passing game. And it, I know you want to be able to run the football. I know we're all about balance, right? You know, you, you want to be able to run, you want to be able to throw. But if a team's just going to take away the run, and that's what they do, guys. Like they flat out just try to take it away from you as they beat us through the air. And the last two times we played them, we've been able to do that. So we've been really productive offensively against them. I mean, again, I go back to it. JT Daniels in 2019, yeah, they stopped the run. It was less than a one yard per rush for us. But we also then had the same game, had the only 400-yard passing game of a quarterback in the Kirby Smart tenure. So you got to take what they give you, and they give us the vertical passing game, and we, we've taken that the last few times we played them, these Mike Leach and Zach Arnett uh, Mississippi State teams. And um, we've won both those games. I know the one in 2020 was closer than it should have been. But we won, and uh, we won this one far more comfortably by uh, almost four touchdowns. Okay. Russell asks about the return game. Yeah, that's a great question, Russell. compared to Mississippi State, our return game is lacking in explosiveness. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, Are their their returners faster and their blockers better compared to ours? Yes. And... It would be, he says it would be great to add some fire to returns, obviously. I mean, we might as well just, you know, wave it off. Kick return, especially. It's like, I'm like, why are we even trying? So, what, what specifically could be done to improve the kick return game? Yeah, Russell, this is an incredible question, man. You know, I say it a lot. Like, when we get special teams questions, it's like awesome, man. Because we don't talk enough special teams on this show. There's only so much time. And, and, I don't, and a lot of times people just don't really care about that. But I think we should care more about it because it is an actual phase of the game. It's, it could be a difference between winning and losing games, especially as you play better teams down the road, which is going to happen for us. But uh, honestly, Russell, I'll take your, I'll like expand on your question a little bit here. I think special teams in general has not been great for us this year. Obviously, early in the year we had a couple of um, fake punts that were executed against us. We now we've done some good things. We, we blocked we what we blocked the punt there against who was that Charlotte? We blocked the punt against Auburn, right? For yes, yeah, but against Auburn, right? Yeah, I think it was Auburn. So we've done some good things, you know. And, and Lad, I think Lad has been good in the punt return game. We've he hasn't broken one. We've been close a couple of different times to break one. I think you know, obviously he had the muff, which wasn't great, but hasn't like we just haven't quite broken it. But he's been pretty good. The kick return game has been non-existent really for almost two years, Charlie. I mean, the, the reality is, Kenny McIntosh is our best kick returner. When he was doing that early in his career, when he wasn't our primary running back, he was really, really good at that. But he is our primary running back, and we're just not going to use him in that role. And Kiaris, I love Kiaris, and Kiaris has got good speed once he gets going. Kiaris lacks acceleration. It takes Kiaris a minute to get going. Like he just he doesn't just like go zero to sixty like boom in a flash. Whereas a guy like Kenny is more apt to do that. And Dejan Edwards, I love Dejan when he's back there, but you know Dejan's not Dejan's not a home run guy. I mean, he's a really tough runner, a really good savvy runner. He's not a home run guy. He's not like a a, a top speed kind of guy. That's not what he is. So I don't know if we have the right guys back there. To be honest with you, uh, I don't. I don't know who those guys would be. I mean, Arian Smith. You think speed, right? But Arian Smith's really small. But I will say, a team like TCU you used Darius Davis back there. That guy's like five foot five, one hundred and fourteen pounds, man. Like obviously exaggerating. He's a really small dude. He just he does just fine, you know. So I don't. I think that's part of it. Uh, I also don't think our kick our kick coverage game has been awesome, Charlie. I think we've given up like. Like this game against Mississippi State, the wind was blowing, right? And so we weren't consistently getting the ball into the end zone. They had a couple of kick returns in that game that were far more, we get far more yards on kick returns than I thought we need to. Than we I was afraid do. their blockers were going to really allow them to get downfield yeah. a couple times. Yeah, and they had a couple good, obviously they had the punt return for a touchdown. Now that was, we were in, we thought they were going to come out and punt block. And so we had a bunch of bigger guys to block those guys. And they didn't, they did punt return. So when they did that, we didn't have all the speed on the field to actually go out there and cover the punt, and that was just a problem. That was just a, a miscalculation there, and that's like, you know, we, we guessed wrong on that. That's what happened there. But the kick return stuff, like, you know, typically Pot does a good job of putting the ball out of the end zone, or we get a lot of hang time, we force a fair catch. So there haven't been a ton of kick returns against us this year because that's just kind of college football these days. But when teams have returned the ball, I think that, I mean, my perception of it is they've had too much success 
on kick returns. We've got too much good field position off that. So I just think our special teams have been a strength for us, you know, past, go back to 2017, I would say. And I don't think that's the case. That's been a disaster for us. So there's that, which is great, but I don't think it's been a strength either. So yeah, I'm totally with you here, Russell. I think it's something we've got to watch. I don't know if we have an answer right now in the return game, in the kick return game, other than, than changing out our kick returners. And I mean, at this point, I have very little faith that's going to happen. All right, I'm going to put these next two questions together. Trevor wants to know if you think UGA has already played their toughest game until the national championship, if we get there. Right. Um, and Chris wants to know who can beat the dogs this year. He doesn't see anyone. I mean, anybody can lose, guys. I mean, I, do I think that we're the best team? Yes, I told you guys last week on this show. Yes, I do think that we're the best team. If we play our game, our A game, and everyone else plays their A game, we don't lose. Yeah. And speaking of teams, best teams rankings, I just mm-hmm. saw that the rankings tomorrow are going to be delayed until nine o'clock. Yeah, because of the Champions the Classic, bas- college basketball, baby, let's go. For basketball. So, I, mean, I love college football. I love some college yeah, basketball. But too. the rankings will be out a little bit later on Tuesday. Yeah, we gotta wrap this show up pretty quick, Trey. I gotta, I gotta get, get down, give it a segment, watch our dogs, Miami of Ohio. Let's go. I was this close to betting on the dogs to cover today, Charlie. You're not supposed to bet on the dogs. We'll I know I don't, but this. Miami Ohio is not. I know everyone's like, oh, Georgia, they suck. Oh. 12 and a half points. My Ohio is not very good. They're one of the worst teams in D1, so I think we're going to cover. But anyway, right. we won't Sorry, talk about basketball today. Sorry. So who do you think can beat the dogs? Um, I mean, again, if we play our A game, no one. Because we're more talented than all the teams that are left in the conversation to play for a national title, potentially. But if we like, there's a, re- a world where we like don't bring our A game, because that's happened before, right, guys? That's happened this year. So if we don't bring our A game and someone like Ohio State does... Yeah, they could beat us for sure. Absolutely. Um, Tennessee could beat us if we don't play our A game and they play like really, really well. Especially if it's a neutral science, not in the same state, which I do think was a big factor. We're a better team. We are. We won that game convincingly. I know the final score is only two touchdowns. If it doesn't start raining, we probably win by, I mean, three, four touchdowns, to be honest with you. But, you know, if we don't play well in that game, obviously they're good to beat us. I mean, guys, Missouri almost beat us, okay? And obviously we did not play to our standard in that game. We didn't play well at all. But if. If Missouri was almost able to beat us when we didn't play our A game, any of these other teams in contention to win a national title, get in the college football playoff, could. TCU, if we don't play. I mean, we're better than TCU, but, I mean, they could beat us if we don't play well. But I, I think what you're getting at here, though, I think this was, this was from Chris, who's going to beat us. If we play our A game, you're right. I don't see anybody. But that's that. That's the million-dollar question. Are we going to bring our A game every single game once we get in the postseason? I hope so. If we do, we win the whole thing. If not... Then it gets interesting. Um, what was Trevor's question? Have we played our toughest game until the national championship? Yeah. Well, that depends on who we play. Okay. Tennessee's better than LSU. Can we say that? Since they I went mean, into Baton Rouge and beat them by 27 points, I think the final score, 40 to 13, yeah. right? So I think we can realistically say Tennessee's better. The question then becomes who we play in the semifinals, knock on wood, if we get there. So, Charlie, who would the contenders be? TCU, maybe? Uh, could be Tennessee again? We'll see. Um, Michigan, could they sneak in if they lose to Ohio State? Or if Michigan beats Ohio State, wins the Big Ten, go to Ohio State, sneaking in as the number four seed? Maybe, possibly. Um, USC, maybe, right? Yeah, I think USC might sneak in. I think if USC, they can if, if they beat, well, USC or UCLA. Although, or UCLA, yeah. But USC somehow is... Was I think a, USC is more likely. They play at UCLA this weekend. Although, I mean, there'll be seven people at the game no matter what because it's... It's UCLA. It's Cal. It's the Rose Bowl. It's what it is. Um, all right, Charlie. So let's ask the question then. Is USC better than Tennessee? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Is UCLA better than Tennessee? No, I don't think so. I don't think, think so. so. Is TCU better than Tennessee? That's interesting. Maybe. I don't think it's crazy to say they are. No. I think they're better defensively. Yes. I do. I mean, TCU's not great defensively. I I have a I have a ton of respect for Joe Gillespie. Their defensive coordinator who's turned that. I mean, TCU's been going offense for a while, guys. They've had these players. Defense was garbage. And that's kind of why they hadn't made a coaching change. That's why Gary Patterson got fired. He's a defensive guy. Their defense had fallen apart. You bring in Joe Gillespie, and I think from Tulsa, and he has just been like lights out for them. And they had a ton of transfers from their top players, too. So TCU is interesting if we play TCU. Um, who else would we do Michigan? Is Michigan better than Tennessee? Well, but Very it, different teams. But it depends on who wins the Big Ten. I know. Like if we, let's say if we played Michigan in the semifinals, are they better than Tennessee? No. Hmm. But I don't think they can score. They can't, they can't throw the ball as well. Right. Like we are capable of throwing the ball in a way that Michigan I don't think is right now with J.J. McCarthy. 
Ohio State. So Ohio State better than Tennessee. If, if, if they yes. lose, I think Ohio State's better than Tennessee. Yeah. So I'm going to say, it, it definitely, it's a, it's a really fun question, Trevor. I, it obviously, to me, depends on who we play. If we play Ohio State, I think I, I would say the answer is no. Well, we haven't played our toughest game until the national championship because I think Ohio State's better than Tennessee. I don't think Ohio State's going to be number four, but if they did some way, somehow, um, I think they're better. I think TCU is potentially better than Tennessee, and I think that's a realistic chance that we could potentially play uh, TCU in the in the semifinals if we get there again, knock on wood. So, fun question there. I think it really has a lot to do with who we play, to be okay. honest with you. Uh, we have another college football playoff question. Brandon says, you know, if we make it to the college football playoff, which Why teams, is everybody doing this to me today? Y'all going to give me a heart attack. Which teams would you prefer to face in the semifinals, and which teams would you prefer to avoid? Well, I think Ohio State's the second-best team in the country, so I don't want them to... Ha- I, don't, I don't want there to be a scenario where they lose to Michigan somehow and end up the number four seed because that sucks for us. Because that's like, I think, again, the second best team in the country. We'd have to, we'd have to beat them anyway in the national championship game if, if they are indeed the second best team. But you'd like it to be in the national championship game. Although, if it was in Atlanta, that would help us, right, Charlie? And not in L.A., playing Ohio State in Atlanta and not yeah. L.A. So, I mean, look, and I, I will say this. I am not, I told you all, after Tennessee beat Alabama, and it was like, oh my God, Tyler, like, on a scale of one to ten, how scared of you of Tennessee? And my answer was like, I'm not freaking scared of anybody. Like, this is Georgia football we're talking about. This is the number one program in the country. Yeah, I said it. Bama is good. And if you look at the last 10 years, yeah, they've been the best program in the last 10 years. Who's the best program right now moving forward in the future? It's Georgia. And I'll say it all day long. I have no problem saying that. So I'm not scared of anybody. But, you know, there's all there are teams that I think, oh, okay, maybe we don't match up as well with them. And maybe they're better. So I think I would prefer to not play Ohio State in the first round. Um Oregon was an interesting one too, Charlie. They're out of it now, obviously. They lost to Washington. But do you remember what Kirby Smart said in the postgame press conference after Oregon? He was trying to make he was trying to like prop up Dan Lanning and say Dan's a great coach. But do you remember what he said? Did you catch that? I don't I can't okay, remember I know, yesterday. I know. Well he he very vividly said that, you know, Oh, we have better players. Yeah, he said, we have better players. Dan knows it. I'm like, I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my God. He like Kirby is not about Baltimore material. He had no idea that we could possibly face them again at that point when he said that. But I was watching Oregon Washington the whole time and thinking, oh my God, like if we ended up playing Oregon again, like we'd beat them because we're better than them. But like the bulletin board material, what Kirby gave them was just ungodly. I just was like, oh my God. But I mean, we'd, we would beat Oregon. Um, but they're, that's obviously not going to happen right now. I don't know. Um, who would I rather not play? I'd rather not play Ohio State. Uh, I would like to play Michigan again in the because the, we saw that last year, Charlie. And I don't think this Michigan team is as good as last year's Michigan team. In my opinion, I don't think there's good defense. They're good Correct. defensively. They don't have as many impact players defensively. I so I would love to play Michigan again because I think that we would steamroll Michigan just like we did last year, maybe even more than we did last year. I know they'd want revenge, but like, I'm whatever. Don't care about that. What about Tennessee, Charlie? Do you want to play Tennessee in the in the semis? Uh, no, I don't really want to play them again. I just don't period. want Tennessee to be in, like, just because I, I don't either. I don't want their fans to have that. I don't want to deal with them. I, I don't I don't want yeah I don't want the whole lead up to that crap. I just don't want I don't want Tennessee. Like, if we we're better than Tennessee, we'll beat them again. But like, I I just don't I don't want Tennessee in there. That's good for their recruiting. It's I don't want their their fans are terrible. So I don't want their fans to be able to at least enjoy that, saying they were in the college football playoff. So I don't want them in there. But that's not like a, a matchup thing. We've already been there. We've done that. Um, I don't know. So who would I prefer? Michigan. I'd say I'd prefer Michigan if, if that happened. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I would prefer USC, Charlie. USC does not scare me. USC no. does not scare me at all. No. I, do they have playmakers offensively? Yeah, but so we, we've played a lot of teams that have playmakers offensively. USC is straight garbage on defense. We would have a field day with that defense. Like We would just run. Remember Shane Ray, guys? Shane Ray at Alabama. He played as a true freshman because they had a bunch of injuries that year a couple years ago. And uh, he was so bad, like the worst inside linebacker I've ever seen for Alabama. Like such a step below what they had in years past. Like, it was bad. And then you know, once guys get healthy again, he he never saw the field ever again. I was like, is Shane Ray still on that team? And yeah, he was. And then he just transferred to USC. He's a starting linebacker for USC guys. Like we would have a field day against that USC defense. So I would love to play them. Um, and look, we've seen Lincoln Riley's offense before. We we can handle that. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, but um. I mean, I'm okay with whoever, to be honest with you. I just don't want Tennessee to get in because I don't want their fans to be able to enjoy that, to be honest with you. That's, that's my rooting interest right now. Just don't let Tennessee get in. All right, Charlie, I know we have a lot more questions to get to, but we do have some lovely sponsors to talk about today on the show. First one being MyBookie, guys. MyBookie is our title sponsor this season. They've done an incredible job supporting this podcast. And it would be awesome if you guys would help us support 
the people that support us. And my bookie, I mean, you're helping yourself out too. My bookie is the best sports book out there. There's no question about it. They have the best options for you, easy deposit options, easy payout options, the best customer service. And right now, again, they're offering this exclusive promo deal for you guys. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code UGA, and you'll get a 100% bonus on that initial deposit, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with depositing. Charlie's doing her best. Charlie had another incredible week this week it wasn't incredible well, you were like nine and four or five yeah that's not incredible charlie five games over 500 for right a week? but incredible would be like nine and one okay you were a, you had a really good week i did a really, really good, good week. week okay you're right okay you made, really some money, really made some money my bookie and you're helping like every week i think for the last month you've had big weeks At least there were some you've really good better weeks there were some really good prop plays this past week that yep. I wanted to take and I didn't take them and oh, then I hate that? kicked you, myself yep, yep, yep. because I would have made lots of money but off my of bookie them. has all those options like they that. do and they yeah they're fun I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna have bet. to look for some better prop bets this weekend just, just go for it when you feel like when you're feeling one you're feeling it for a reason you know football you're like go with it but again guys it's mybookie.ag use that promo code UGA to get a 100% bonus on that initial deposit bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to LipsandAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, the next question comes from Protector of the Realm, and this is kind of pick your poison. Okay. So he wants to know if you're worried that only few teams have ever repeated a national championship, and even fewer have had a three-peat. Yeah. If ever. I'm pulling these numbers up. Yeah, look those up. So would you rather win this year... And then statistically or inevitably lose and be disappointed next year? Or would you rather lose this year and have a better chance next year? This is America, baby. We're all about instant gratification, are we not? In this society? Like, Clearly. I'm in the moment. I'm in the moment. So if you're telling me we can win it this year, go back to back, and you're right, protector of the realm. What a, what a name, by the way. Uh, you're right. Like, it's very rare. There's something special about going back to back. I mean, I got the numbers right here. So Bama's the most recent team to do it back in 11 12. Um, they won in 15 and 17, but not in 16. And you go back before that, you had Notre Dame in 1946, 1947, Oklahoma in 1955, 56, and then 1974, 1975. USC was the most recent one before Bama, 2003, 2004. And Minnesota in 1940, 1941. Nebraska in 1977, and also 94, 95. Like we're talking about a legitimate national champion named via a college football playoff. Like, yeah, give me this. Give me right now. Give me the instant gratification all day long. You know what? While we're at it, like, that's okay. We could just win next year too, right, Charlie? Yes. We can just do the three-peat. And I don't think that's ever happened in college football history. I don't think a three-peat's ever happened. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I don't think a three-peat's ever happened. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's the history lesson, Charlie. I'm Thank a history you. guy. Thank you for that. All right, Jonathan says that Marvin Jones Jr. has some upsides to him, but in the areas that he's lacking, such as awareness and physical toughness and so on, 
Does he have enough time to be coached up by the time the SEC championship rolls around, or do you think um, they're not going to be a significant? Excuse me, there's not going to be a significant improvement until next year. Does he need more time? I mean, I think the answer is yes at this point. It's, well, yes to what? He needs more time. Okay. I was well, answering there, your last there, question. Don't well, be but, mean to me. But that doesn't. See, guys, I told y'all somebody somebody texted me or DM me this. You need to be nicer to Charlie, and I was like. Man, like off the air, she gives it way worse than she gets it on the air. So, and that, that's evidence that Charlie's really soft-spoken and meek on the show. But trust me, off the show, no, I'm the one that gets berated. Well, there were two questions there, so we needed to well, know which one you were one. answering. Fair. I was, okay, well, I was just responding to that last question. Specific phrasing. You know I'm not a smart man, Charlie. You can't give me that many well, questions We know time. that. All right, continue. He um, needs more time. Yes, I do believe he needs more time. Look, I mean, especially with the injuries that we've had. This is a very good question, John, because I I mean, you you know, man, you know my concern. I made this very clear on the recap episode. I, uh, I, I I have to believe that if he was even close to being ready, he would be playing right now. He'd be in the rotation. He's just not. And, and that tells me that with with Nolan being out, and then look, obviously Robert Beal is a guy that we do trust and we have some faith in. He's solid, he's stable, all those things. But outside of him, we have no experience to speak of whatsoever. And I mean, let's be real: Marvin Jones Jr. might be experienced. He's more talented than Chaz Chambliss. I mean, there's zero question there. So he clearly just isn't ready from a physicality standpoint. I'll give Chaz that. Chaz's a strong physical guy, and he can at least set the edge. And just doesn't seem like Marvin is there at this point. And that and that sucks, man. Because I uh, I do think he's gonna be a big time player. I do think he has the physical traits in terms of the athleticism, um, the twitch, all those things you look for in outside linebackers. But he's just got to bulk up. He's got to get bigger, stronger, more physical, and that takes time. You know, I mean, he's he can put on weight, but you're not gonna be like you're, you're not gonna go. For in a month's time, like working out enough to the point where okay, now I'm ready to play in the SEC, and I wasn't a month ago. Like it's just it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, I wish it did. I wish you had like that that Captain America super serum, and we just like get him up to speed and get him ready to go. But it's just not going to happen right now. And um, he dealt with you know he was dealing with a little injury earlier, and that sort of set him back a little bit. But I don't think he was going to play regardless. And that's unfortunate because that is a concern. Like I told you earlier, like my my number one concern if we had a fatal flaw is. Do we have that number one alpha wide receiver if AD Mitchell is not ready to play? And then like one A, like right underneath that, we're talking like right underneath it has got to be outside linebacker play once we get into uh, the the postseason and play some much better football teams. It's certainly concern, and I, I wish Marvin was ready to help us out. I just um, based off what we've seen so far, if he's not playing right now, I mean, I just don't see how it's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong, man. I really do, but I'm just uh, looking looking at what I've seen, and I I don't see it. All right, we only have four questions left today. Adam says that you mentioned last year, maybe during Scheme Theme, that running multiple looks with the same personnel creates a lot of issues for the defense. It does. To try to get set up and ready to go. So in your opinion, does the Georgia offense do enough of this? And then he also wants to know why my favorite, Darnell Washington, only had one touchdown this year. He was just standing there by himself. Did that warm you up when your boy Darnell got that touchdown? He was just standing there in the end zone like, hello. (laughs) I'm big. Do you see me? I'm a very large target. Do you notice me back here by myself? And we tried to get to him earlier, too. And just, uh, it's hard to, I don't know, it wasn't an overthrow. It was a little bit behind him. But that's not a throw away from the defender there. But we're trying to get him more involved, Charlie, and I, and I appreciate Munkin doing that because he is a weapon, as we've been talking about for months, it seems like, on this show. Um, all right, so do I think that we do enough of creating matchup issues? Yes, I think we do a really good job of it this year. One thing that I thought we would do more of that we have done basically none of this year is run 13 personnel. I talked a lot about that in the offseason because we did that a lot towards the end of last year with, with Fitzpatrick and Darnell once he got healthy and obviously Brock Bowers. It's pretty clear. I mean, Oscar Delp's the number three tight end right now, but it's clear at this point that our coaching staff doesn't feel like he's as ready to do the things that Fitzpatrick was doing, especially from a blocking standpoint, last year for us. And that makes sense. Oscar is going to be really, really good. I'm still very excited about Oscar Delp. Extraordinary athletic is going to be able, be able to make some plays in the pass game and create a bunch of matchup issues for us. But it's kind of like Marvin Jones Jr. He's just got to get stronger, more physical to point of attack. And I, I wish he was more ready to do that kind of thing because I think with 13 personnel, with three Titans on the field, defenses have to respond with base, base personnel there. And you create just hellacious mismatches, which is what we were able to do against like Michigan last year. Like we, we 
did, what we did against Michigan was just a thing of beauty. And I honestly, I was calling for it coming to the game. I didn't know if we'd do it, and we did it, man. We went 13 personnel, not exclusively, but heavily in that game. And the reason I was calling for that in the lead-up to the Michigan game, the Orange Bowl last year, is I had seen games in the regular season where teams had run 13 personnel against Michigan. I saw how Michigan responded to that defensively, and they went to their base personnel. What did that mean? That They were a base 3-4 defense. That meant that they had... Aiden Hutchinson playing outside linebacker, which meant he had coverage responsibilities. He was playing in space. And that is not what Aiden Hutchinson does well. What Aiden Hutchinson did well last year is see ball, get ball, and destroy passers. That's what he did. So when we went to 13 personnel, we were forcing him into a role where he had coverage responsibilities and he wasn't rushing the passer, doing what he does best as much as he did in, in other games. So I love that, but we just don't, it doesn't seem like we feel confident in. Delp in that role right now. I thought maybe it could be a Reed Gilbert, but it's just that's not going to happen. We're not all of a sudden going to start doing that. At least I don't think. Maybe Munkin could surprise us. I don't know. Um, so I think that's part of the reason you haven't seen as many mismatches created with the tight ends because we are not running a ton of 13 personnel, really much of it at all. So when we're in our 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field, teams are still playing us in large part in their nickel package. So they still have an extra DB on the field because they know that Brock Bowers is basically a, I mean, he can block in line very, very well, but he's he can also function as wide receiver and they know they have to defend him in the passing game. So they're still doing a lot of that. So we haven't created as many mismatches in the passing game with our tight ends that as we did last year because we just aren't really running that 13 personnel. But you're exactly right about um, it creating some issues. I did talk about that a lot in the offseason. And thank you for listening to that, by the way. Um, Big Zero, why does he only have one touchdown catch on this year? Inexplicable. I mean, I will say our coaching staff is doing a much better job over the past month, really coming off the bye week, of trying to get Darnell, I, I would say also before the bye week as well, you know, Vanderbilt, a little bit in Auburn as well, trying to get Darnell more involved in the passing game. All this guy does is make plays, man. He's a playmaker. And I think we, and I know it's it's tough to not keep him in line because he's such a devastating blocker and you want to use him in that role, but he can also do so many things for the passing game, creating some of those mis- mismatches you were talking about. Um, and, and your question there, Adam. So yeah, I, I it's inexplicable why we didn't do it earlier, but we are we do seem to be coming around there, and I'm excited to see what we're going to do moving forward there. And Charlie, I know it feels like we just took a, a break a second ago, but we were late with that first break. We do have one more break we got to get to because we got to tell everybody about about our friends at Alumni Hall, Charlie. You mentioned how cold it was in Mississippi State or in Starkville. You all, we also talked about how cold it's going to be in Lexington this weekend. So Charlie, if you're going to those games. Where can our fans go to get the fall and winter apparel to stay warm? Can shop at Alumni Hall. I was just it's thinking I need to get a new beanie. I'm I was sure thinking I the same thing. Then. Yes. Well, you're just bald, so I had to accessorize. Yes. So um, I, I I have a red one for the game. I need a black one for Friday night because it's going to be like eight. What would you say? Eighteen degrees on Friday night. Yeah. Fifty mile an hour winds. Balmy. Woo! Nice and warm. I'm just I. God, I hope it doesn't snow. Last time I was up there. Last January, I stopped there um, on my way to Indianapolis for the national championship game to watch Georgia play Kentucky, and uh, it was snowing, which was cool to see. But you step outside, and it's all slushy, and it's, your feet step on it. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Georgia boy, I ain't prepared for that, and that sucks. So as long as it doesn't snow, I'll be okay. But Alumni Hall's got you guys covered. What rain, snow, shine, cold, hot doesn't matter. Whatever you need, it's got it's got a G on it. Alumni Hall has it, guys. So make sure you're stopping today in-store inside the Etch Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, three questions to go today. Art wants to know about 
your opinion or your assessment of Keely Ringo so mm. far this year. He says he seems to lose his man in coverage a lot. He knows that Kirby loves Keely Ringo, so he's doing something right. But it just seems like he gets beat in space a lot. I think I said the word, the yeah, phrase a lot there. A lot. You said a lot, a lot. I yes, did. Charlie, I'm sorry. Did. It's okay. I, hey, Charlie, I, I can't say anybody when repeating themselves on this on this show because that seems to be all that I do. All right, great question, man. I will say this was not the only question we had about Keely Ringo and basically the same question. So um, Art was the first one we saw, so we went this question. I appreciate it, man. Keely Ringo is a really good player, man. Keely Ringo is a really talented athlete. He's really he's got really good speed, and it's it's the combination with Keeley. He's got the size, he's got six two, about two hundred ten pounds. Um, he's got some good length on him. He's got really good straight line speed. And I've mentioned this before. The one thing that that concerns me about Keeley and his prospects of the next level is, I think he's got a little stiffness in the hips. I don't think he changes direction particularly well with receivers. So if if like if he's playing a bigger, taller guy, it's just a speed guy. He's fine with that guy. Like he can like Cedric Tillman, he can he can handle him. It's no problem. But it's the shiftier guys that he has to defend sometimes that can get in and out of breaks really quickly and change direction effortlessly, very fluidly, that he tends to struggle with more because he is a bigger guy as a corner, and that helps him in a lot of ways. Uh, he's a really good run defender for us, but changing direction and getting out of the, just getting out of his back pedal, things like that, twisting, turning those hips, flipping those hips, those are things he struggles with a little bit more. And I think that, I don't know, I don't want to say puts a ceiling on how good he can be, but I think in a way it kind of does. I mean, he's a great athlete, does a lot of things really, really well for us. And you're right, Kirby likes him because he has a lot of really good tools. He's big, physical, strong, athletic, really fast, all those things. But, you know, hips, that's a really important part of playing cornerback, and I don't think he has lead hips. It's not, he doesn't have really bad hips. I'm not saying he's like just incredibly stiff, but there's a little bit of stiffness in there. And I think when you see some of those guys create separation against him, I really think that's what it comes back to. All right. Josh is concerned with turnovers. Are you yeah. concerned with turnovers? I mean, we're minus two in the turnover category this year, no. Charlie. And that's like, it's crazy thing we're undefeated being minus two. That, that, that honestly just tells you how good we are. Yeah. So Josh says he doesn't really blame Stetson too much since they were good defensive plays. But yeah. The ones against Mississippi State for if sure. If we're averaging again two turnovers per game since the midseason, is it time to worry? I say, yeah. Bit. Yeah, I with you, Charlie. I'm not not worried, as I like to say from time to time. I'm not freaking out about it because again, we're undefeated, and it just shows you how good we are that we're minus two and we're undefeated and then playing the SEC championship game here in a couple of weeks. And right now, currently sitting, knock on wood, number one in the country in the college football playoff rankings. But it, it has become more of a concern. I'm more concerned with the fumbles, Charlie. You know, I mean, the running backs putting the ball on the ground, and it hasn't happened a ton. Stetson's only thrown, I think, five picks on the year. Stetson, you know, up, up until the past couple games, is doing a really good job protecting the football. The four game was not a great game for him. Uh, but I, I'll go back to what you're saying. I agree with you, Josh. We said this on the recap episode. I don't put either of those interceptions on Stetson against Mississippi State. Now, saying that, there were a couple of throws that maybe should have been picked, so maybe it all comes out in the wash there. But I think Stetson has done a much better job this year with his decision-making. Hasn't been perfect by any stretch of imagination, but he's been much better than he was last year. And that comes with time. That comes with reps being the number one guy and, and getting all those number one quarterback reps. But turnovers are... It's not so... like we. I don't feel like we've turned the ball over that much, Charlie. It's We're not forcing enough turnovers, in my opinion. I agree. That's one of like... Sure, we've turned the ball over a couple of times, but... If we're forcing turnovers, you don't really notice that. We're just not forcing turnovers at a high rate right now. And and the, the bigger question for me when we talk about turnovers is why is that the case? Why are we not forcing more turnovers? Because you know we practice it. And I think it goes back to, you know, this is where the sacks do, I think, factor in things. Because when you sack quarterbacks, Charlie, and you're disruptive in the, in the backfield, that creates havoc and often results in turnovers, right? Well, yeah. if, if we're not sacking quarterbacks to that degree and we're not getting a ton of tackles for loss, then that's... A, that's why you're not seeing as many turnovers. And case in point, Jalen Carter, right? Jalen Carter comes back, plays against Tennessee. What's he do? He forces that fumble in the end zone. It was a safety. I don't care how bad those refs were. It was a safety. Instantly, as soon as you get a disruptive player back there that can rush the passer and create havoc in the backfield, we start to force a turnover. So that, to me, is more of a concern. And Jalen coming back helps that, but we still, like, without Nolan, we don't have that dynamic edge rusher. So, I mean, yeah, turnovers happen. You're going to turn the ball from time to time, but you've got to also be able to force them. And we're not doing a ton of that. And that honestly concerns me more than us turning the football over at this point all right we have one more question this is a fun question jay swift wants you 
to tell everyone if these three players should go to the NFL or if they should stay. Is it should they stay or go or will they stay or go? Or should I do both ways? Both. Both ways. Because okay. it doesn't specify. Doesn't specify? Okay. All right. Lad McConkey, Cedric Van Prant, and Xavier Truss. You say Xavier or Xavier? Xavier, Xavier. Xavier. I, I've, I've is, always said Xavier. What does the media say? I don't know. Xavier. I just say Xavier Trust. Xavier. Maybe, maybe, it's, Xavier. maybe I'm hearing what, I'm, what I want to hear. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, you're hard of hearing. That's not... See, guys, that's what I'm talking about. I, I'm not the one that's being a Charlie. I don't know what people are talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. Well, answer, let's, All right, let's, answer the question. Stay or go? Lad McConkey stay both ways. I think he should stay. I mean, do you think Lad McConkey is going to be an NFL draft pick this year, Charlie? I think he should stay. I think he should stay, but I mean, do you think he's going to stay? I want to say, I just assumed he was going to stay. I would think. It's the physical profile thing. I mean, Lad's an awesome college player for us. I don't see Lad, at least right now, maybe if he comes back and he puts up a thousand yards next year receiving, maybe, but right now he doesn't have the production. Like, he's been really good for us, but he doesn't have that kind of production and just the size issue. I think Lad, and he hasn't, he's been a good returner for us. He hasn't been a dynamic returner. So I, I think Lad definitely should come back, and I think Lad will come back. In fact, I don't think, I, I haven't really even like given that any thought whatsoever. I just assumed Lad was coming back. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong there. Hope I'm not. I'd love to have Lad back next year. Cedric Van Pran, Charlie, interesting. I think Cedric should come back. I think he could benefit. He could work his way up to maybe a high second round draft pick if he comes back for another year. I don't know if he's a first round guy. Centers is tough. You have to be like an elite center. Maybe he turns in that next year, but he's not that right now. Now, will he go? I think of these three, I think he's probably the most likely because he has had a good year. He's not a second year starter and he's he's played better this year than he did last year. So he he's the most likely of this group. So I guess I'll stay go, but like very tentatively go for him next year. And in terms of what he'll do, I think he should stay, but I think he'll probably go if I had to guess right now. Xavier Truss, I mean, I know he's been around for a while, but this guy's not ready for the NFL. I mean, he's had a very tenuous hold on that left guard position all year. And we say he's going to go to the NFL. So I think he should stay, and I think that he will stay. I don't think he's ready for that at this point. Tate Rattledge might be one to watch. I think Tate will be back next year, though. But uh, yeah, that's, that might be one more. I, I would say Tate would be more likely to go pro than Xavier at this point. Yeah, for I me, agree. right? Yeah, I think at this point. All right, that's it. That's it for today. All right, I feel like we had less questions this week. Are the we said a lot that kind of were the same question? No, there were fewer. It's okay, about two or three less than. Oh, I mean, coming off Tennessee, obviously that big win. There's a ton of questions coming off that one. But, all right, guys, definitely appreciate you guys staying with us here, and uh, we are not done. We're just halfway through the week, so I will have a full-on Kentucky preview for you guys in the middle of the week, and Charlie will be back as she does each and every week to wrap things up with our picks of the week, and she's going to give you even more winners as she's dropping phones and all sorts of things over here right now. But thank you guys for being here. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dog.